Long History After Magellan, Part 1 Loaisa and South American Storms Hello everyone and welcome to another series by Long History. This series only 10 episodes we've called After Magellan, although it's actually an expedition that was originally headed by a man called Loaisa. And this document is part of a series of documents that we're creating here called Forgotten Voyages. Now Magellan's expedition, which we've already covered here at Long History, took place between September 1519 and September 1522. The Loaisa expedition set off on July the 24th, 1525. And the aim of this expedition initially was to find out what had happened to one of Magellan's ships, and it was also to retrace the route to the Spice Islands and potentially to colonize them. Andres de Urdaneta, an explorer and friar who took part in the whole expedition, wrote the account that makes up these 10 episodes. Urdaneta wrote the account after returning to Europe, reaching Lisbon on the 26th of June 1536, and that was over 10 years after the ships originally set off. The text used here has been exclusively translated from the original by Long History. Now this introduction has already gone on long enough, but I just wanted to mention that there are many places and people named here. It really rushes through events, these are 10-12 years in just 10 episodes. I think the account is fascinating in itself, but if it piques your interest it might help just to take a glance at a map of the um, destination in question. The main area discussed in this document was known as the Spice Islands formerly, and there are lots of islands discussed in this document, but there are two main Spice Islands called Ternate and Tidore. These are important islands in history, but are just specks on world maps. The nearest large island discussed in this document is today called Halamhera, but that's not a name used in this document, instead they use Batachina. And the Spaniards make an important alliance with one of the kingdoms on this island of Batachina, and that kingdom is called Gilolo in this text. The voyage begins in Spain, however, and in this episode the crew make it across the Atlantic and down the coast of South America. They repeatedly try to make their way into the Magellan Strait, but storms keep holding them back. And as this document begins, Andres de Urdaneta is in northwestern Spain in La Coruña. So please enjoy the latest document by Long History, one of a series of forgotten journeys, and this expedition is initially headed by Loaisa, and we've called it After Magellan. Please enjoy. An account of the journey to the Malucas Islands, or the Spice Islands, by Commander García Jofre de Loaisa's fleet, at his command, written by Captain Andrés de Urdaneta. Holy Caesarian Catholic Majesties. This account, by Andrés de Urdaneta, for his Holy Majesty, about the fleet that his Majesty sent to the Spice Islands with Commander Loaisa, in the year 1525, is as follows. We left the city of La Coruña with seven ships on the eve of the blessed Lord Santiago, and went in search of the Canary Islands. And after seven or eight days of leaving La Coruña, we reached the island of La Gomera, where we took on board the things necessary for the fleet, until the 14th of August. On the 14th of August, the eve of Our Lady, we departed from the island of La Gomera, and after a month and a half, little more or less, on the equinoctial line, we came across a Portuguese ship, and the captain-general sent Santiago de Guevara, captain of the Patache, to go and see which ship it was. And so he went and he asked the said ship to lower its sails. Coming with her, Don Rodrigo de Acuña went towards the ship in the San Gabriel and ordered a shot to be fired at the Portuguese. However, this was taken to be bad form by the captain of the Patache, and words were exchanged between the said Don Rodrigo and him. When the Portuguese crew members had come on board our captain's ship, the captain-general showed the Portuguese much honour, writing letters so they could deliver them to Spain. The said ship then departed, and we went on our way, coming across various storms and calms, 
continuing on almost until the middle of October, a little more or less, when we sighted an island called San Mateo, which is on the southern side of the equinoctial line, at three degrees more or less. In the said island we took on water and killed many slow-witted birds with sticks, and there were great fish stocks, where the Captain General and other captains and people ate a large and handsome fish. Those who ate the most suffered greatly with loose bowels, which we thought would never end, but after some days they became well. On the said island, the Captain General ordered an investigation into what had happened between Don Rodrigo, captain of the San Gabriel ship, and Santiago de Guevara, captain of the Patache. After finding out what had happened, he ordered Don Rodrigo to move to the captainship, putting Martin de Valencia in his place as the captain of his ship. We were on this island for ten days, a little more or less. We left the island of San Mateo, all seven sails together, and we crossed to the coast of Brazil, where we spotted shallow waters and followed the coast. After many days, and after passing the Rio de la Plata, we came across a great storm, which separated all the ships from each other. Six of the sails regrouped on another day. We had no sight of the captain's ship, heading from one side to another in search of her, but we had no sight of her. So we went on our route towards the Straits, and after four or five days, Martin de Valencia in the San Gabriel headed back without anyone seeing. So the remaining five sails continued on our route. Arriving at the location of the Santa Cruz River, the captain, Juan Sebastián, spoke with the captains of the other ships, saying it would be for the best if we entered the said river and waited there for the Captain General and Martin de Valencia. Pedro de Vera and Francisco de Oces and Don Jorge Manrique, captains, and Diego de Covarrubias, quartermaster general, replied that it would be for the best if all the captains and officials of His Majesty and of the ships should gather in the Juan Sebastián ship to agree what should be done. And so they all gathered together, agreeing that, as it would be late for passing through the strait if they stayed in the Santa Cruz, it would be best if the Patache on its own went to put a letter in the said river on an islet below a cross, so that, if the captain general came, the letter would inform him that they were heading on towards the strait, to the port of the sardines, to supply the ships and take on wood and water for when they came, and that they would wait for them there, and would help them to take on supplies and wood and water. And, having agreed this, the Patache entered the Santa Cruz River, and we, four sails, went on to the strait. On Sunday in the morning, thinking that we were entering the strait, the four ships ran aground at the entrance to a river, some five or six leagues from the strait, where everything seemed to be lost. And as we had run aground, Juan Sebastian sent a skiff to head up the river to see if it was the strait with some men, and before the said men returned, the tide grew and we headed into the open sea with the ships. As we saw that the skiff was delayed, we went along the coast, recognising the Cape of the 11,000 Virgins, which is in the strait, and as the sun set, we went into the Cape of the 11,000 Virgins. And as we were anchored there, at midnight a great wind and storm took hold, pushing the four ships towards the land. And the wind was so strong that Juan Sebastián del Cano's ship, on which I travelled, struck the coast, and as they tried to reach land, nine men drowned, with those remaining men being half drowned, at God's mercy. On the following day there was such a large storm that the ship broke apart, throwing many pipes of wines and other merchandise that there was in the ship onto the beach, and all the bread was lost. When the said storm was over, which would have been in the middle of January 1526, Juan Sebastián entered Pedro de Vera's ship in order to take the remaining ships into the strait. I and others went with him, and before we entered the narrow strait on the following Thursday, a contrary wind arose from the southwest, 
making us think we were lost. And at midnight all three ships lost their rowboats and we left with Pedro de Vera's ship into the open sea at God's mercy. On the following day, Friday, the weather became more propitious and as the storm had passed we tried once again to enter the strait, reaching further than we had the first time, entering an opening ahead whose length would have been around a bulkhead shot or the width of two stone shots. Entering within, the width becomes great, and towards the northeast we saw the boats in a large bay at that place. We were very pleased to see these caravels, because we had assumed they were lost, and on land we saw some people who were Patagonians. And when we arrived at the location of the caravels, the skiff of Pedro de Vera's ship was sent on to land. Having reached there, they brought a Patagonian to the ships in the skiff, giving him some food and some wine to drink, and giving him other things which greatly pleased him, particularly a mirror. When he saw his image within, he was so scared that his reaction was something to behold. They also showed him gold and silver, but he did not react at all. He had a big body and was ugly, wearing a zebra skin, and on his head a plumage made from the feathers of ostriches, and his bow and some sandals on his feet. When he saw that night was falling, he signalled them to take him to land. On the following day, they sent me with five companions onto land. With me went Diego de Covarrubias, quartermaster, with the people of the ship that was lost, so that they could gather together all the goods and wines and artillery and munitions and items, and were ready for when the boats went for them and for the people. And when we disembarked on land, the Patagonians came up to us and asked us by signs for food and drink, which we gave to them from the provisions that we had. We went to see their homes, which were made from zebra skins, like huts. Their women and children were here. When they want to go to another place, they take their skins and put their women on their backs, and with their bows and arrows they leave. Some ten of them followed us for a day and a half, until they saw that the supplies were running out, after which they returned. We continued until the sight of the lost ship, some four days, even though on the third day we thought we would die of thirst, the drinking of our urine being the solution until we found water. On the same day that I reached the people from the lost ship, the captain's ship, the San Gabriel and the Patache, all entered the Cape of the Eleven Thousand Virgins. God knows how pleased we were to see them, having given them up for lost except for the Patache. The captain general, seeing that the ship was lost on the coast, had sent the Patache to find out what had happened. Finding out that the ship was lost, he did not want to stay there any longer, so he entered the strait where the other ships were. Upon arrival, he sent Juan Sebastián del Cano with the two caravels and the Patache and the San Gabriel's rowboat to our location so that the people could be rescued, along with everything that remained from the lost ship. Then on the mainland, when the Juan Sebastián came with the boats, we began to load everything we had on the caravels. When the loading was done, a harsh wind arose, making it necessary to sail with the caravels, leaving the Patache and the rowboat in a creek. With Don Jorge Manrique's caravel, we headed toward the strait, with Francisco de Ose's caravel sailing outside the strait along the coast towards the south until 55 degrees. They said, when they returned, that this seemed to be where the land ended. This same storm pushed the captain ship onto land, and it was almost lost and abandoned by the captain general and all the people, other than the master and the sailors. And as we had stopped next to the mouth of the strait, we saw Pedro de Vera's ship leave. Despite our signals, it did not want to come towards us, rather leaving the strait never to be seen again by us. The San Gabriel left the strait in the same way, but the aforementioned Don Rodrigo, because the captain general had restored him as a captain. As we signalled him, he came and stopped where we were, which was a good little port. The following day, the captain ship also left the strait. Having thrown many things overboard, 
With most of the people going on land, the ship was lightened and remained afloat. The master and some sailors took the ship further out, and so the Captain General boarded again with his people. Having embarked, they left the entrance and stopped in the middle of the channel, where they agreed that we should return to the Santa Cruz River to take on supplies and repair the captain's ship, which had been badly affected when it hit land, taking on a great deal of water. And with this agreed, we left the Cape of the 11,000 Virgins, leaving the Patache, the rowboat and the San Gabriel ship in the creek. Now so much happens in this brief episode that it's almost hard to keep up with events. The ships departed on the 14th of August 1525, they suffer food poisoning on an Atlantic island south of the equator, the San Gabriel and the captain ship with Loisa, the captain general on board, are both lost but then eventually rejoin the main fleet, many of the ships run aground during this episode, nine men die in a storm, followed by another storm which rips apart one ship, leading to salvage operations. They make repeated attempts to enter the Magellan Strait, the captain ship being severely damaged in the process, and Pedro de Vera's ship is headed off never to be seen again. This episode therefore covers five months, reaching the early weeks of 1526. In the next episode, the crew enter the Pacific, who will survive the perilous journey across this vast ocean, an ocean barely known by the Europeans. Thank you for listening to episode one of After Magellan. There are nine more episodes of this document to come, so please subscribe to be informed of when they're released. If you enjoyed this episode, please do like it. And don't forget to explore our other series on long history about Magellan and Columbus, for example. But that's it for now. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode and are looking forward to more to come. Thank you and goodbye.